Well, back by uh, popular demand, I'm going to be uh, talking to you tonight about attitudes in the church. Attitudes in the church. Of course, we uh, talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, there were uh, some people who uh, commented to me on uh, the way that they were impacted in various ways uh, concerning that message. And so we are going to uh, talk about that a little further uh, tonight. I, I uh, felt that uh, at least seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to me that we should revisit that. And so uh, I know that attitude is something that everybody possess <laughs> in one way or another. And so uh, in this particular case, we're going to be talking about uh, criticism in the local church, criticism in the local church. And I think it's a pretty appropriate time uh, to talk about this. That is, we have um, uh, just partook of communion. And, you know, we noted there in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 29, uh, that uh, we are to discern the body. We are to discern the body. We, we mentioned that it's uh, speaking of the body of Christ on the cross, but it's also speaking of the body of believers. And we each have a responsibility to discern the body. Can y'all say amen? amen? That won't be the last time to say amen tonight, trust me. <laughs> But uh, criticism is, is, is something that is um, obviously pretty prevalent in the, uh, the, the church, uh, more than we would like uh, to think. Uh, and we understand that uh, criticism can be used, uh, you know, in a positive manner, uh, but it also can be used negatively. Uh, so there is constructive criticism and there is destructive criticism. And so we understand that constructive criticism can uh, be encouraging, it can be edifying, it can build up people. There in uh, uh, Proverbs 15, uh, 31, it says that he who receives constructive criticism lives among the wise. So we know that it can be beneficial, constructive criticism, right? But we have to be careful about the way that we use criticism uh, because uh, the other side of that is destructive criticism. Destructive criticism. And that can be uh, uh, damaging. It can be hurtful. Destructive criticism can be very dangerous. It can be very dangerous. Because generally, uh, a, a, a destructive criticism is done in a way, and it, and it, can, be, it can be subtle. It can be subtle. In fact, uh, you know, you, we can get in a habit of criticizing, and we don't even realize that we are criticizing. Y'all remember there in the book of Numbers, uh, right? <laughs> we, we referred to that uh, uh, when we taught on this last time. In the book of Numbers, when Miriam and, and, and Aaron, they spoke against Moses, right? They criticized Moses, correct? And the Bible says that God heard them. <laughs> so, so, so listen. When they spoke against Moses, 
Now, now they, and this is the reason I say that it can be subtle, right? They may not even have realized that what they were doing in terms of putting their mouth on the man of God. Now, now this is this is the deal. Uh, that was a man. That was a man that God says, "Look, out of all of Israel, <laughs> he's the one I trust." But that's that's someone that God has had anointed. That's someone that God had called. That's someone that God has set in the office that he was in. That's someone that God had created. Correct. And so uh, we, we, we can say that Moses was a man of God. But do you know that you are a child of God? And, and, and I'm here to tell you, God feels the same way about someone putting their mouth on you as he did about them putting their mouth on Moses. Because God created you. God has called you. God has anointed you. God has set you in the place where you are. And if you haven't discovered what that place is yet, the Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. He doesn't change his mind about it. He doesn't back up on it. Yes, he has called you to a place. And he still looks upon you as his child. And so, <laughs> it's so interesting that there was, there was so much that I wanted to, wanted to do with this. And, and then I, I, I began to uh, just um, uh, read over the book of Numbers 12 over and over and over again. And I began to meditate on what really took place in that chapter. It, it, it's, it's, just, it's just amazing how all of this progress through that chapter for Miriam to end up the way that she did and, 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 and because uh, the, God says that Moses, he was, uh, one, he was the most humble man on the earth. Boy, that's saying a lot, isn't it? Man, some of us would be doing good to be just the most humble person in our uh, bathroom. <laughs> on earth, the Bible said. And because of his humility, because of his humility, he looked to God, and in essence, this is what he said. The Bible said he cried out to God. This is what he said. God, have mercy on Miriam. Have mercy on Miriam. And of course, God had mercy. He had mercy on her. Because what we want to understand is that uh, wrongful criticism, it can not only be uh, harmful, damaging, hurtful, and dangerous. Wrongful criticism uh, can impact your faith. Wrongful criticism can impact your progress in the kingdom of God. That's exactly what it did with with Miriam. 
Oh, I guess we better look at it. Come on, let's look at it because, because uh, uh, I, I think that sometimes we don't, we don't uh, really understand this whole thing about criticism uh, the way God looks at it. So, so, so go on and turn to uh, uh, Numbers, Numbers 12. As I said, I, I, I really, there's a number of things I wanted to do, but I think this is important. So I'm going to start, I'm going to read Numbers 12. Uh, from the New Living Translation, right? And I'm going to begin in verse 1. Are y'all there? New Living Translation. If you don't have that translation, if you would put it up on the screen, because there are some things that uh, should be pointed out. Numbers 12, 1 says, While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. Crushite, Cushite because he had married this Crushite, Crushite <laughs> woman, right? Now, <laughs> now listen. Listen. Um, the children of Israel, they were forbidden to marry Canaanites. They were not forbidden to marry Egyptians. You remember Joseph, he married an Egyptian. He had two sons as a result of that marriage, Ephraim and Manasseh, right? Uh, she, she's a, an Egyptian woman, right? But, and, and let me say this, just as a side note. God is not against interracial marriage. There are some circles that still frown upon that. And, and if they frown upon it too much, they can come and talk, come talk to me and my wife, and we'll set them straight. <laughs> and, and so that was uh, Miriam and, and, and uh, Aaron's uh, problem here, right? So they criticized Moses, but it goes deeper than, than, than what uh, we just read. Let's, let's keep reading. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? Hmm. The Lord resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Now, Miriam and Aaron, they had a position that God had set them in. And it's obvious that God spoke to them. That's what they just said, correct? But their problem, <laughs> their problem is that, is that apparently they let that go to their heads. Because God spoke to them. And further down in this verse, we're going to see that, that God is going to tell them, uh, yes, if there's a prophet in Israel, look, this is the way I, 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 come, I, I approach them, right? I approach them through visions and dreams. But Moses, face to face. Face to face. Now, let me say this. Moses, face to face. This is the Old Testament, right? Look. The Spirit of the Lord lives on the inside of you. He, God speaks directly to your heart. 
He speaks directly to your spirit. And he speaks directly to your brothers and the sisters, your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ the same way. The same way. And, and so, and so Moses, Moses, uh, you know, humility will take you a long ways in the kingdom of God. <laughs> Everybody say, get down. So, so they, they, they spoke against Moses and God, they, they, they said that God spoke to them, which is a true statement. But listen, it goes on to say, but the Lord heard them. But the Lord heard them. Now Moses was very humble. Moses, more humble than any other person on earth. So immediately, the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, and said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and, Mo and Miriam, he calls. And they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. If there were a prophet among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. Do you know that God trusts you? You say, well, how, how can you say that? You don't know me that well. I can say that because God has trusted you because he has placed his spirit on the inside of you who sealed. He trusts you to carry his spirit around in this earth. He trusts you to carry the spirit of his son around in this earth. Listen, we have children, but I'm not going to trust my children with everybody. The minute you came out of darkness, the minute you came out of that place, he placed his spirit. He trusted you right away. He didn't say, hey, you got to get it right, man. You got to do something so that I can place my spirit on the inside of you so that I can trust you. No, immediately, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord. Boom. There he is right there. <laughs> his, he, his residency. Is on the inside of you. And you, you can't tell me that God don't trust you. His only son. And, and listen to this. Romans 8.32, right? If he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how much more will he also freely give us all things? Man, he must trust you pretty well. Freely give you all things. Man, there is absolutely nothing God won't do for you. <laughs> I said there is absolutely nothing that God will not do for you. Come on. He loves you. You, you, you are the precious fruit of the earth. You are, you are valuable. You are valuable in the sight of God. Come on. You are his, you're his workmanship. You are his masterpiece. He has called you to himself. Come on. 
Do I have any believers in the house tonight? He values you. And he trusts you. So it goes on to say this. Where was I? What, what verse am I on? Can y'all tell me? Huh? Seven? Verse seven. But not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. <laughs> Moses sees the Lord as he is. So, apparently Moses... And we know that Moses spent time with God. 80 days. Right? Just him and God. Him and God. But, 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 but that was not the only time that he spent with God. Moses' lifestyle was spent with God. And, and, and so he says, uh, he sees me as I am. So, as I am. So, so what does that mean? That means that Moses learned some things about the character of God. Moses learned some things about the nature of God. Moses learned some things about the heart of God. You know, sometimes people seek the hand of God and they forget about the heart of God. Moses, he sought the heart of God and God says that he sees me the way that I am. That's important. That's important. The greater, you, the greater we get to know the nature of God, the greater we get to know about the character of God, the greater we get to know about the heart of God, the more we're going to trust God. It's obvious we, are, we said that he already trusts you. <laughs> he already trusts you. But are we really trusting him? Right? Obedience is better than sacrifice. All right, so he sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? That says a lot. It tells me that we should be careful about how we criticize those in the body of Christ. In fact, he says, we should be afraid to do it. We should be afraid. And, and, and here in the Old Testament, we're going to find out, yeah, I understand. We are, in a, we are in, in, in a dispensation of grace. I understand that. But even in this dispensation, we can parallel some things from what took place here to what is, uh, can take place in this dispensation of grace. So let's look. So it says that I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? The Lord was very angry. Notice it did not say, it didn't just say the Lord was angry. It says that he was very angry. Look, it's one thing to get God angry. <laughs> Come on, cheer up, saints. 
I said that you are the precious fruit of the earth. Listen, you are God's masterpiece. You are his handy craftsmanship. That's who you are. Look, I'm not preaching to you. I'm not preaching to you, uh, you know, so much about the whole uh, thing of criticism. I'm preaching to you about who you are in him and how precious you are and how valuable you are. Because you are. I say you are. And it should not just be, in, uh, uh, you know, precious and valuable in the sight of God. We are to be precious and valuable in one another's sight. Can y'all say amen? To the degree, to the degree that we are careful about how we criticize. Can y'all say amen to that? All right, let's read on. So the Lord was very angry with them, and then he departed. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. (laughs) Just listen, listen. He was very angry with them, right? Now, if 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 God if God had um, stayed in their presence and he got over over his anger, it would have been a different result here, right? But the Bible says he departed. And he was still very angry with them. Y'all see that? So he departed. Verse 10. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam. I said earlier that uh, criticism, which Miriam did, along with her brother, criticism is not only damaging Hurtful. Uh, it, 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 it certainly uh, is very dangerous. But, but, but criticism has the potential uh, to bring about strife. It has the potential to bring uh, even div- division. Come on, think about it. I, I told you, I told you, um, uh, in the last message uh, about this, I told you about um, the person a few years back who came to me, and uh, they were telling me about uh, these uh, coworkers that they had, and they were all, you know, okay with each other, right? They all uh, fellowshiped and uh, socialized and, and, you know, uh, had lunch and all these things together, Right. Uh, but this one particular time, uh, this, 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 the uh, person that came to me, they said that they were just walking along and they overheard a conversation. And the conversation was being held by uh, those two, two of the, uh, the friends of this, this group, right? Uh, what was uh, a friend, friendly group, friendship. And they, they heard the conversation, but the conversation was criticizing the other uh, member of the group, right? And uh, the thing about constructive criticism is this. Constructive criticism is always going to be done in the presence of the individual. Constructive criticism is never 
are done because constructive criticism, it builds up, it edifies, right? It encourages. We quoted uh, Proverbs 15, 31. Those who receive constructive criticism, they are found in the, the presence of the wise, right? So there's a benefit to constructive criticism. But destructive criticism is done away from the person. That's why it said here that God heard them. They were not in Moses' presence saying this. It says God heard them. And so this person, they, were, uh, they overheard the conversation uh, and they were criticizing that individual. And the individuals, the, the person that was being criticized was tremendously hurt by this. And they were, they were damaged because they're supposed to be. Now, now this is a group. This, these are a group of friends. Listen, this is the body of Christ. This is the local church. We are a family. Everybody say family. We are a family. And so uh, there is what God seeks after is a spirit of unity. And destructive criticism is counter to unity. And the Bible says that how good and how present it is to dwell in the house, or how good or how present it is to dwell in unity with the brethren, right? The Bible says that that, that place of unity, that environment of unity, this is where the Lord commands his blessing. How many like the blessings of the Lord? That place is where the life of Christ uh, flows one to another. That place is where the anointing is manifested. That place is where it pleases God. That place of unity. But when there's destructive criticism, it brings about strife. It, It has a potential to bring about the devil takes a hold of that and he initiates division when he get when he's able to take a hold of strife and criticism. That's the way he starts to work a wedge. Look, and there is there is a, a, a root. There's a root of division that's taking place in this nation. You better watch it. I said you better watch it because it can draw you right into it. And, and listen, there is a there is an agenda behind it. There is a motive behind it. So we got to watch it. Come on, saints. And we declare by the authority in the name of Jesus that that spirit will not take place in the house of God. It will not take place in the church. It will not take place in the body of Christ. We say, no, the gates of hell shall not prevail. And we we all have to understand who's behind this spirit. He's called the devil. He's called Satan. And, and, and when we, when we are, are criticizing even uh, what we might consider not so harmful, God hears it. I said God hears it. And so when we are doing that, we got we to gotta remember 
There's a spirit behind it. And, and, and actually, we, what we do is we step right over into the turf of the enemy. Because he has a plan behind it. And then we, we draw these preconceived conclusions about people, and, 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 and we really, really don't have any uh, 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 founded facts about it, and we, we are going on uh, uh, inaccurate information because we have not. I, I mentioned last, last week that there is a, a, a right biblical, scriptural way to judge and there is a wrong way to judge. The Bible talks about both. And, and, and I spoke about how, how God dealt with me a number of years ago when I was wrong, wrongly criticizing, right? It all starts up here. Why? Because that is where the enemy plants the seed. Can y'all understand that? Yeah. So it all starts up there. And, 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 and God dealt with me, and he gave me this, this, uh, this uh, verse there in Luke 6.37, right? Luke 6.37, judge not, and you will not be judged. Man, come on. 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 11 that we just uh, uh, took, partook of communion with, it says to examine yourself that you won't be judged. <laughs> so, so Luke 6, 37, uh, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. You shall be forgiven. So he dealt with me with that. And listen, I still speak that scripture today because I know that I have an enemy and there are thoughts, critical thoughts that rose around in your head Come on, you can just approach someone. You can see someone, uh, uh, you know, from a distance. And automatically, you start to think, oh, well, mm -hmm, yes, uh, no, okay, uh, yeah, she is. <laughs> that's, the way, that's the way the enemy works. So, so he's, he's, continually, he's continually throwing these erroneous information to us so that we can accept this stuff. So whether it be, you know, uh, uh, against a, a, a leader, whether it be against uh, someone else in the body of Christ, whether it be racially, whether it, whatever it is, we have an enemy. And it all starts with wrongful criticizing. And so let me, let me finish this, I think. So it says that the Lord departed, verse 10, as the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam. Now, it says that there stood Miriam. So Miriam, it's already been acknowledged that the Lord speaks to her and Aaron, right? They, they, they said that, right? So, so God has, uh, had a place in this um, uh, 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 this group of Israelites that he had placed on Miriam and on Aaron, correct? And so she was progressing, she was moving forward, you know, in the kingdom, we'll call it, 
with this tribe of Israelites, right? And now she criticizes Moses, she and Aaron, and God gets very angry about it. God departs, and the Bible says, there she stood. In other words, her progress stopped right there. Her, process, her progress in the kingdom stopped right there. There she stood. Now, now, now look at the, the grace and the mercy of, of, of God on Moses' life because so God does not leave us in that place. He doesn't leave us in that place. So there she stood, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. Now you got to understand that leprosy was a chronic skin disease that impacted uh, the skin tissues and the nerves. And, and, And you, in this day, you could not go out in public. You couldn't even go out in public if you had leprosy. They, they actually considered it, it a divine curse, a divine curse. So you couldn't go out in public, right? And so now uh, she has leprosy and she can't even, she can no longer even uh, move forward with the rest of the church, I'll call it. She can't, she, her progress has completely stopped. She has leprosy. And, and, and what what happened, God, God even said this. Listen, even if her father had spit in her face, he would put her outside the camp. In other words, she's now an outcast. Why? Wrongfully criticizing. Oh, Jesus. So, let's read on. So she has leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master. Please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. So we see two things, at least in that very statement that, that uh, Aaron made. The first thing is that when we wrongfully criticize, when we wrongfully judge others, number one, it's a foolish act. And you, 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 can, you can read... Um, all different type of translations, and they all refer to it being a foolish act or a fool who does it. And, and, and so the second thing is that when we criticize, wrongfully criticize, and wrongfully judge others, is that, as he said, Aaron said here, it's a sin. It's a sin. So this sin we have so foolishly committed. Please don't punish us, Aaron says. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby, already decayed at birth. So Moses, the grace, the mercy of God upon Moses, the most humble man on the earth, humility, so Moses cried out to God, Oh God, I beg you, please heal her. 
Can you imagine what would have taken place if he had not done that? She would remain in that state, right? Yes. Please heal her. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had done nothing more than spit in her face, wouldn't she be defiled for seven days? So there's, now God is exercising leniency. So keep her outside the camp for seven days, and after that, she may be accepted back. Verse 15. So Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days, and the people waited. The body of Christ waited. The local church waited. Until she was brought back before they traveled again. In other words, before the kingdom continued to advance, they waited on her because of God's grace, mercy, the humility that was on Moses. But, but the point is this, that her progress in the kingdom was affected because of criticism. And it did not get back on track until the very person that she criticized prayed for her. Mercy, Lord. Mercy, Lord. Have mercy on her and heal her. The very people that we sometimes criticize can be the very one that is needed to get us back on track to advance in the kingdom of God. Can y'all say 